Morning. Everything got quiet without me saying anything. Yeah. Leopold, 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 Leopold. At least somebody got it. Okay. Jesus, we thank you for your word and for all that you've done for us. And, uh, we just pray this morning that you would plant this word in our hearts and minister as only you can. God, that you would do to us with your word what you do. God, you said that your word would not return to you void, that it would accomplish that which you sent it forth to do. God, we want to be those vessels where your will gets done, your word uh, brings that return to you, God, that you have uh, uh, anticipated. Lord God, we just pray and ask it in your righteous name. Amen. Amen. Go with me to Matthew 5. So if you've ever wondered if an Italian buffet was a good idea or thought that it was, it's not. (laughs) It should come with like a free stomach pump on the side. I think buffets are a uniquely American thing. Like, I don't know, three platefuls of food is not enough. Bring me more. It used to always irk me that uh, the Mad Greek had a Sunday buffet that was over by like 2 o'clock. I was like, how am I supposed to make that? Uh, actually, I did once a long time ago and got really, really sick. So, if, if you think you can just keep eating, you can't. <laughs> the older you get, the less you can just keep shoveling it in. So. <laughs> Find some room for it somewhere. We were at Paisano's last night, and I was thinking about all those stairs to get back out. It's like, oh. <laughs> anyway, um, so here in uh, Matthew five. Um, and actually, if you want to keep your thumb there, you don't have to go with me. I want to read, read you a verse out of 1 Samuel. I wasn't sure if I was going to read this or not, but I think I am. In 1 Samuel 22, uh, when David is, uh, you know, of course, fleeing from Saul, and uh, this is right after he leaves uh, Achish and Gath. And it says, David departed from thence and escaped to the cave of Julam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they came down thither to him. And everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves to him. And he became a captain over them. There were about 400 men. So, I had this little note in my Bible next to Matthew 5 here with that, with that verse in it. And I couldn't even remember what it was. I thought, Why, what, what would I have connected to First Samuel there, and uh, uh, it turned out to be that, but uh, you know, here in Matthew 5, in verse 3, he starts out saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, and 
I remember Ron talking about that once, and and that really struck me how it's like these all these disenfranchised, indebted, unhappy people all gathered themselves to David, and you know, and, and so it is with with the kingdom of God, because we have this this opportunity to be a part of of His kingdom, and uh, the alternative is is real glittery and and. It looks nice for a while, but it doesn't take long to see through it. And, uh, and if you've ever um, played around with with the world, then you know it doesn't take long for all that glittery stuff to go away. Kind of like if your daughter has a Disney princess dress, then eventually it will not be glittery, but you will be. So. So the kingdom of God then is not made up of these perfect, amazing people, as as it might appear at first glance. That's what I thought when I first came to the church. Like, wow, these people are all so perfect and wonderful. And, and then I hung around for a while, and I was like, I realized they were all as messed up as me. <laughs> and, uh, and so I felt like I was in good company. You know, I, I, I felt like one of David's four hundred men there. Uh, so he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So that's where we all came into the kingdom. And this, this place of recognizing that just can't do this. You know, and the great thing about that is is that it's not just that beginning place. Because uh, what I've found is that that will come. you'll come to that point again. Because once, you know, you'll have that... That enthusiasm, that Sunday school enthusiasm when you start out, and then um, as uh, you know, life teaches you lessons, and your experiences, you know, show you that you know you really can't do this because you think you can. You're like, you know, I, you know, it's like oh, I'm just trusted in Jesus, and and then you go out, you set about to do what you're gonna, you know, do the stuff that God wants you to do, you know, as a as a as a young Christian and. You find out that you just can't, and so you come to this realization again. You know this cluster of the poor in spirit, and so God has these layers that that He just keeps bringing you back to. And I think the the longer you serve God, the more you realize that poverty of your own ability. You know, and that's why you know that's why we are the circumcision that. Rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. But it take, it takes time to come there, and uh, the great thing is is you might have confidence in the flesh and not realize it, and so God will prove it to you. He'll He'll let it come out. And you'll see it. <laughs> and there's nothing like finding out that you had something icky that you didn't think you had. To make you feel poor in spirit, but that's a good thing, right? Yes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they should be comforted. And you guys know this, but that is indeed the, the natural next thing that's going to happen at that realization of I honestly want to do. The things that God would have me do. I want to serve Him. I want to do all this stuff right, and I just can't. And it makes you feel. You know, mourning is a good word for it, yeah. because you know, mourning is not like 
you're bummed out about something and then you kind of move on. Mourning is something that you just, I need some kind of relief. I need some kind of answer. But he says, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And there's nothing like uh, identifying with uh, failure to to make you uh, have that sense of meekness, uh, a sense of uh, tenderness and understanding for you know, the weakness of others and, and their mistakes and things. I don't know about you, but um, I don't know how many times I've I've gotten upset. You know, let's, let's take, take driving for example. It's like that doofus. You know, it's like I can't believe that guy. You know, and you get so worked up about what that guy in the in the other car did. And uh, you know, and, and you go on this kind of self-righteous rant about it for a while, and then you do it. You know, well, it's not that bad. <laughs> Just me? Or... <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I was starting to worry there. I thought, oh man. No. No. I think they need like a railroad crossing thing uh, where uh, where you can get off of I-70 West to go on to the bypass around town because people take it like one of those like lanes on like a NASCAR race, you know. And uh, it used to have a stop sign there, and everybody kind of took that as a suggestion. And I don't know how many people pulled out in front of me while I'm already going 70 down that. I used to like follow them with my like just with the horn on the entire time, just. And eventually I realized, you know what, I pulled out in front of people before and felt really stupid. I'll bet they did too. <laughs> and then I probably ruined all of their their sense of, oh, I feel bad by acting like a jerk. And now they're probably like, you know, that guy's a jerk. So. But we do the same thing in the church. You know? It's like, God, I can't believe that brother so-and-so did such and such. And then we do such and such. It's like, yeah. It's not so bad, right? But if we're honest with ourselves, it's like, ah, oh, that's the same thing. Like, it's just as icky, and and uh, and that's the funny thing is, you know, it's like like David uh, when Nathan tells him the story about the, the man taking the sheep, and and David goes in this self righteous rant about this guy being destroyed. Nathan's like, well, that would be you, you know. But but you know, to think of David's heart, he's the king, you know of you know, of the, the nation. You don't talk to the king like that. You don't call the king out on his mistakes or anything like that. And, you know, if you, you know, unless you want to be about a foot shorter, you know, and, 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 and yet David just said, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that is me. You know? So he understood that, that sense of meekness. It says, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. There's nothing like setting a goal that you can't seem to attain to make you hunger and thirst after it. Angst might be a good word. <laughs> What's for they that angst after hung, you know, after righteousness? They should be filled. Uh, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, they should be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you, and men shall revile you and persecute you and say, All manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. 
Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. And I know you guys all know this, but uh, it's precious to see this progression of being you know, poor in spirit to being persecuted for righteousness sake. Because when you come into the kingdom with this recognition of being poor in spirit, you're already made holy. You're already made righteous by the blood of Christ and, and holy by His presence inside you. But not everybody can see it so well. And as time goes on and your inner man grows up and becomes bigger than your outside man, people see that difference in you. And, and that's uh, a great deal of what the church is all about. Because... Uh, if 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 the world can't see God in you, where are they supposed to see Him? So that brings me to what I actually wanted to talk about. Everything else was free. So to continue, please insert twenty five cents. So so in <laughs> Tom's like twenty five cents, isn't it seventy five? So, uh, you know I haven't bought uh, soda from a. a soda machine in a long, long time, and uh, there was I was at this pop machine, I was like, man, I can get, get a Coke, I can deal with that. I put this dollar in, there's no price on the thing, and it spits out the can and a quarter, I was, and I felt so old. I, I felt like my dad, I was like, 75 cents for a can of soda, what? <laughs> Highway robbery! Like back in my day, it was fifty cents. <laughs> now, see if it had, had like one of those little credit card slots on it, I would have never known how much it cost. I was just—it <laughs> could have cost me five bucks. I'd have never known. But anyway, yeah, so here in verse thirteen, he so he's just been talking about the sense of righteousness, right? And the, so obviously, the world can see something different in you. And so he says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It's thenceforth good for nothing and to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. So, um, in the Greek, uh, this uh, phrase, have lost its savor, is all one word. And it means to become insipid or foolish. Uh, and it only appears a couple of times uh in the in the New Testament, um, a couple times dealing with salt, a couple times dealing with uh, is translated as foolishness. Uh, foolishness is an interesting word, um, you know, or or fool. If you go down here um, further in Matthew, verse twenty-two, where he's talking about anger, you know, uh, it's really interesting uh, to read in the Youngs in in verse twenty-two because. Uh, he says, whosoever shall say to his brother, empty fellow, shall be in danger of the Sanhedrin. But whosoever shall say, thou fool, shall be in danger of the Gehenna of fire. Which, we don't think of calling somebody a fool quite like that. But it has this, it, this, this, this word for, uh, for fool there is very similar to this word about having lost, the salt losing its savor. Um, and, uh, the, so the, this word fool is really interesting because it means stupid or heedless or absurd. And uh, the 
the the word the equivalent word that the Hebrews used carried with it this uh, sense of wickedness, and so it's there's this idea of calling someone a fool that you're saying that they're that they're stupid and heedless and wicked, and and uh, of course the Bible says in in the Psalms that uh, the fool has said in his heart there's no God. Uh, I, I was actually I had been studying this a little bit and. Uh, I mentioned it to Ron briefly on Wednesday, and he's like, "Well, yeah, you know, you know how you show, you tell him something that you saw in the Word, and you thought oh, this is so cool, and he's like, you know, breaks it open, uh, you're like, uh, and you know, it's kind of leaves you standing there. But he's like, you know, to, yeah, he's like because it's it's like calling someone a lesbian. It's like it's like you're it's it's that aberrant of a thing, and it's you." You know, when you apply something like that to somebody enough times, then it, it begins to affect their thinking. You know, it's like when you know, when you're a kid, the whole sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. You know, if you were ever a kid, then you know that that's BS. But um, you know, I I say hardly ever got hit when I was a kid, but I had all kinds of mean things said to me, and that affected me way worse than getting hit would have. But um, so so this word fool is is a lot more has a lot more weight to it than than what we think of in English. You know, it's like you know, call somebody a fool. You just kind of you know, I think of somebody that's being kind of goofy, or you know, I, I'm picturing somebody with like a little hat with bells on it, you know, tumbling or something. But uh, but he says here. If this in verse thirteen says, "If the salt you're the salt of the earth, and if the salt has lost its savor, then wherewith shall it be salted?" And the interesting thing about salt is, uh, I did a little bit of research on this, and salt by itself uh, is really stable and doesn't really go bad, particularly sea salt, you know that kind of thing. But like, you know, you they have shelf life on iodized salt because they've added iodine to it and anti-caking agents and things like that that actually reduces the shelf life of the salt, so it it doesn't necessarily lose its saltiness, but it 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 does degrade over time. Um, but the thing about salt is, uh, if you mingle it with something or overexpose it to um, to other substances, then that mixture does degrade the salt, and it becomes not so salty becomes less savory. And, uh, um, you know, I, I realized a few years ago that the salt that they put on the roads is not the same type of stuff that you put on your mac and cheese. And, you know, if you've ever been to Hutchinson, you can go down in the salt mine and, and see the stuff that they that they put on the roads. And they tell you, don't lick it. Because <laughs> this is not table salt. This is totally different stuff. So you wouldn't you wouldn't put that stuff on your food though. You put it on the ground where people are going to walk on it, drive on it, so forth. Um, I remember one time being stuck trying to get out of the, the parking lot when I lived at this apartment complex because some genius decided that the entrance should be this humongous slope and it was covered in ice and uh, I kept like trying to take a run at it and the only 
stuff I had around in the house that was handy was like a big box of like kosher salt. <laughs> so I'm like sprinkling it out there. I was like, I gotta get out of here. And it, I did eventually, but it's not it's not the kind of salt that he's talking about here. This, uh, you know, if you um, so if you if you um, mingle the salt then with other things, then it loses its saltiness. So you know, salt has this preservative effect to it, and you can um, you know you can preserve things with salt, of course. Um, uh, the Bible talks about uh, how God made a covenant of salt uh, with the children of Israel, and because because of that, that sense of of enduring that comes when you preserve something with salt. Maybe that's why McDonald's fries, like that have been in the bottom of your car and the floorboard for like two years, are still McDonald's fries. I'm not saying they're not good. And if they're old, I kind of have to tell myself they're old. Don't eat it. But <laughs> hey, this this straw wrapper was touching the fries. Uh, but um, so he's talking about you know how. <laughs> this, so how would the salt then regain that saltiness? And. Uh, you know, I mean, and the you know it's a rhetorical question. You know, you're not going to resalt salt if it's if it's been uh, if it's been polluted. Uh, it's it's just polluted. And then he says, if that's the case, then it's good for nothing to be cast out and trodden under the foot of men. Uh, and the way that that this this Greek phrase was used was like had the sense of rejecting with disdain. Like this, you know, this is less than worthless we're going to throw this out and and uh because it's good for absolutely nothing uh, so it's an interesting thought then that you know we could go from you know being that disenfranchised poor in spirit people to this place of being persecuted for righteousness' sake and then he immediately goes into talking about being the salt of the earth, but not losing that saltiness. Uh, and he doesn't talk a whole lot about that in here as far as how you could lose that saltiness, but um, but I found that really interesting, you know, researching. It's like, what happens? How can salt go bad, you know? And, and that's the thing, mingling it with, with other substances. And and so to have this, this pureness, this purity of of uh, relationship with God, and not not allowing the uh, the things of the flesh to uh, mingle in with it. That's exactly what happened to Israel. That's what happened to Samaria. That's what exactly what it was, and that's why the the Jews from uh, uh, from Judea had so such disdain and hatred for the Samaritans because they were this mixture. They were Jews, but they were also Combined with the Assyrians and and uh, that had come in to occupy their land, and they had taken all of these other gods and all that stuff. Uh, you know, having come back from the uh, um, the deportation to Babylon, uh, for the most part, Israel had kind of had enough of of uh, 
you know, playing with other gods, as it were. You know, because you read in Ezra and Nehemiah a little bit about how these guys start taking these foreign wives again. And, and uh, Nehemiah is so upset. He's like, we just came back from Babylon for this very thing. This is how it started. You know, and they got rid of them. So there was, you know, when you read it in the, the New Testament, you don't get any sense that there are any kind of false gods in Israel. It's like there's there's Jehovah and that's it, you know. And they, but of course the 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 priesthood, the Levites had kind of gotten this monopoly on him, um, very much like the Catholic Church, I suppose. And uh, um, but uh, so so there was no mingling then of. Of, of you know these foreign gods and idols and things like that uh, in in Jesus's day, but there was certainly a mingling of of the flesh in uh, in with this uh, with this walk because God always intended for Israel to be this 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 place that you would want to be this place that you would want to be a part of. And it was never intended to be exclusive to the point of you can't come in. Um, I mean, you had to be born into this kingdom, but when you read through the, the Old Testament, you know, there's plenty of ways for strangers. It, it talks about you know the strangers can come in, circumcise them, and, and they, they can be, uh, be part of, of the kingdom. And that's what God always wanted. Um, you know, and the, the, the church has largely done the same thing. You know, we come in, you know, we're that disenfranchised rabble, and we like that. And we all identify well with it. And then, um, but once we've been here for a while and we're a little more polished, then we think we think differently of the uh, the disenfranchised rabble. It's like you know the uh, you know, uh, you know I've I've, uh, I've heard lots of really interesting you know songs and, and stories about about those kinds of things, about people coming into the church and, um, you know, getting all the self-righteous sidelong glances and things and realizing, eh, no, I think I'll just take my chances somewhere else, you know. And and that was never what the church should be. So, um, so he goes on here to say that you're the light of the world and a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither did men light a candle and put it on a bushel, put on a candlestick, and it gives light to all that are in the house. So let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Excuse me. So, you know, that's a continuation of this this thought of um, that, you know, I want the world to see me in you. And uh, you know, and he's right. You can't hide, you know, a city that's up on a hilltop. You know, if you're, uh, um, you know, on a cloudy night, the sky never really gets dark around here. It's like red because Topeka and Lawrence and Kansas City and the little teeny towns and everything. There's so much light that on a cloudy night, it's just it's all reflected in the clouds. So you can't hide that much light. And so that's what God's intention is, that that there should be that much light that it can't be hid. 
and and he says that you know you wouldn't light a candle and put it under a bushel. You wouldn't light a candle and put it under much of anything, you know, unless you were intending to set it on fire. You know, and uh, um, but it doesn't. You know, uh, when I was growing up, um, electricity was kind of a luxury in my house because uh, the uh, uh, electricity went out in our neighborhood all the time and uh, frequently. It was just kind of one of those things like, oh, yeah, there it goes again. And we had lots of kerosene lamps and, and candles and all that stuff and you know, sat around in the dark and uh, and all that. But it uh, um, doesn't take a whole lot of those to really light the room up. You know, it takes very, very little, and uh, and so it, you know, it feels like well, my light is not so so much. It's like well, actually, it is. You know, when I when I was young and foolish, I uh, if I could use that word, um, I uh, I used to think that uh, if I was you know just kind of going about my daily life uh, and. Uh, in places where people didn't know me, where they're never probably never going to see me ever again, that it didn't matter what I did, and it didn't matter how I acted, because it doesn't matter. They they don't know I'm a Christian. I don't need to act accordingly. Not that I you know was you know you know going around like drawing pentagrams on the side of buildings or something, but you know, I, I don't know what I would have been doing. But I just I had this sense of. I didn't have that sense of the world should see something in me that's different. And uh, you know, as I got older, I realized, wow, that's so contrary to what God wants. It's like, how would I have ever seen Him in in somebody if they did that? You know. And so, um, I'm going to read one little thing here in Ephesians. I think it looks like I might be done a little early, and you guys will have time for donuts if there were any. I don't think there are. It's probably good. I don't know, last night I was kind of thinking, I'm never going to eat again. And then breakfast came, and I thought, well, Lord. Okay. I think it's Ephesians that I'm looking for. Maybe it's not. This is what happens when you make it up as you go along. I don't remember where it is, but um, uh, in one of the uh, one of the epistles, Paul talks about um, the purpose of the church being um, that in the ages to come, that the world would see him in his kindness to us. You know, and so people will see or should see in us that our life is different. Than, than other people. 
And it doesn't take a whole lot of spending time around somebody for them to pick up on the fact that you're different when uh, when you when you let God do those things to you and let him change your life and and just the fact that he just he lives in you and uh you know people will be drawn to it some people will be some people will be uh, uh repelled by it and some people will curse you and revile you for no apparent reason. There's this kid that lives down the street from us. I have never spoken to him ever. Ever. I've lived down the street from him for like two years. I've never once spoken to him or anyone at his house. And uh, uh, I've at least twice now, when I have just been outside my house, I've had him start screaming obscenities at me for no apparent reason. And I was completely, I, you know, I mean, this, this just happened again like a few weeks ago. I mean, I, you know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine repeating anything that he said to me, except that I was thinking, well, I don't have a sister, so shows what he knows. But, but it was just like, what is wrong with this kid? You know, it was kind of my first thought. But you know, I realized he needs to see the light. You know, and. You know, and, you know, so I suppose that's probably at least partly why he does that, because he sees it and he doesn't like it, and he doesn't even know what it is, and doesn't know why he sees it, could be, but I realize what a great opportunity to pray for that guy, you know, and so, um, you know, as tempting as it was to pray that God would squish him like a bug, I, I didn't. You know, I put that aside and prayed, you know, God would rescue the poor kid because, you know, he, uh, Cynthia used to work with a little old lady next door before she went to the nursing home and she told him, told Cynthia that, uh, that the boy's father had died, uh, several years back. And so, you know, he was growing up with just mom and like the police had been there a bunch of times and we've overheard her talking to the police about like, I don't know what, I can't make him go to school. I try and he just leaves and disappears and, and all kinds of stuff, you know, and, and so it's like, um, you know, if, if people like that have no, nothing to see, if they have no light to see, then how are they ever supposed to find Jesus? How are they ever supposed to find something real in their life? And so, uh, you know, I, I just feel like this word is just a reminder of not letting that... <laughs> Not letting the saltiness that we are be mingled with, with the earth, and, and because then it's not good for anything anymore. And in fact, this, uh, you know, it's interesting that one that the the concordance uses the word insipid to to define this this loss of, of savor. You know, and insipid means just worthless. Just there's no no substance to it. You know, and and so much of of our society has seen that in the church, and you know because if you talk a big game but you don't live it, then uh, it doesn't you know it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see through hypocrisy, and and so the the world can see that, and it actually pushes them further away from. Uh, receiving anything from from God but if they can see something real you know in you something real in me then 
then that's the thing that God wants out of our life. Because I don't know about you, but uh, sometimes I think, man, what does God want me to be doing? You know, what do I, what should I, you know, I, I like to have like a, a very clear, structured, this is what you're going to do type of thing. And it doesn't mean I'll do it, just I just like have it. But, <laughs> but, um, but in all seriousness, you know, we, we think that way about about our walk with God. It's like, you know, I wish I just knew what I was supposed to be doing, you know, or I wish God had, you know, gave me some job that I could just go, you know, punch in, punch out, and it's like I have something I can point to that, I, hey, I'm doing what God wants me to do, you know. And, uh, you know, but the great thing is we have a relationship with Him. And, you know... Um, you know, we don't we don't think about relationship with people as up oh, time served. You know, like I'm gonna go home and clock in. It's like you know, here we go. You know, it's not like that. And uh, so, as we we draw near to God, and we uh, and we just we get that oil from Him again. That that word foolish is the same word it uses about the uh, the foolish virgins in Matthew 25. You know, because we we want to have that that oil, we want to have that saltiness, and so we want to make sure that we're just drawing close to Him and not letting the things of this life and the 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 things of the flesh and all those things take away that saltiness. Because we we uh, if if you, the world can see God in you, then you are doing what God would have you do. And, and and you you have you do then have something you could point to that's like hey God's doing something in me you know and maybe you can't see it maybe you don't have something you could point to that hey this person I I know that God did something in this person's life because I was there or whatever but that and that's good too because yeah sometimes you just don't know and you won't know until until you get across the the golden shore. And you and you find out it's like, hey, this person you know comes up to you and it's like, hey, you know, I I saw God in you, you know, and it and it did something to me. And there's lots of people that you'll deal with that you won't have much of an opportunity or that you won't have much time to deal with them because you're only going to see them once maybe. But your prayers go with them, you know. And uh, and if there's something different about you, you know, if you're if you're salty. And, and if you are the light is shining from you, then people will be impacted by that, even if they can't articulate why. And 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 that's a, a really important thing. So Jesus, we just uh, pray that today you would do these things in us. You know, we we don't want to uh, have any kind of loss of savor, God. To God, we want to remember, God, that that. Uh, that we, we came to you disenfranchised and, and in debt and unsatisfied, God, and that you have blessed our life immensely God, and, and made us, made us uh, into what you would have us to be and that you've made us righteous, God. But what we want is for the world to see you in us. Well, God, like the song says, that if, if they can't see your love in me, then I failed at what I do. And God, we, we want to have that be the very hallmark of our life, God, to, to have the, the salt and the light, God, uh, doing in us, through us, what only it can do, God, to reach the people around us, God, that they might see in you, or see in us the love of God. And we pray it and ask it in your righteous holy name.
I got today just do in this place what only you can. As only your presence can do it. Minister to every heart, to every need. God, you know what they are. God, and if we have, if we have not come with expectation of, of receiving something from you, God, then raise our sense of expectation. God, to, God, because you are going to meet with us in this place, God, and, and like the woman with the issue of blood, we're going to reach out and touch you and receive something from you. God, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.